Ready, Boot? Let's scoot. Wait. Wait. Hey, you remind me of a man. What man? The man with the power. What power? The power of hoodoo. Hoodoo? You do. Do what? Remind me of a man. What man? The man with the power. What Good morning. Power hoodoo. Hmm? Greetings, greetings. Are you out of your mind? Uh, what? What? What are you trying to do? I don't dig your check. What are you whispering about? Oh, I'm sorry. Hi, that Uncle Matt. How's the night operator? <laughs> May I present my great uncle, Judge Turner? How do you do? You judge? Oh, this isn't a pump handle. He's sharp. Hey, you remind me of a man. What man? The man with the power. What power? The power of hoodoo. Hoodoo? You do. Do what? Remind me of a man. You remind me of the babe. What babe? Babe with the power. What power? Power of hoodoo. Hoodoo? You do. Remind me of the babe. <laughs> A goblin bay. <laughs> well, <laughs> I saw my baby crying hard as babe could cry. What could I do? My baby's love had gone and left my. Would you consider this perhaps the greatest children's fantasy film of all time? Because, I mean, it's got some contenders. It's got Dark Crystal, Never Ending Story, Masters of the Universe, things like that. But would you consider it? I don't know. I mean, you said, like, Never Ending Story was up there. Flight of the Navigator should be up there. Sure. I love that movie. But as far as, like, the iconic children's for me yeah for for me personally yes because you know like it's a movie i remember watching as a little kid and i remember feeling the way i did you know because this this movie it's got me all over the spectrum when it comes to feelings you know like there was parts in this movie that terrified me when i was a kid you know that freaked me me out it really did i told the boys that 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 the uh, fiery guys that were dancing around taking off their heads and stuff you hated that i didn't like that at all it just (laughs) it was weird it was it was a weird thing because like they were so animated right and then even with their heads flipping in different directions they were still talking so maybe that's kind of what freaked me out you know (laughs) and it wasn't until like a few months ago that we finally figured out that the reason that you're afraid of clowns it's probably from Pee Wee's Big Adventure, yeah. yeah. And the clowns during the the, the bike mm-hmm. cutting scene and everything. But again, you know, I mean, I'm I'm less than ten years old, you sure. know, when I watch these. You know, I'm like eight years old, seven years old. Yeah, it was you like Gamork the Wolf <laughs> yeah. scared the crap out you of me. You know what else was scared me when I was younger? Story. Is the witches with Angelica uh, yeah. Houston. Super remember used to scare me. Yeah, that one scene was real weird where like she he gets trapped into the in the Phantom Zone. Yeah, with the, with the twirlies. Yeah, the red tornado. That part scared me. And then also just the monster that was like crushing her at the end. Yeah, yeah it was really really terrifying. There was a lot of darkness in that. I always tell people that, and they're like, "What, really?" And I'm like, "Go back and watch that, and think of yourself as like a three year old kid." Mm-hmm. Well, the same thing with kid. witches. I mean. You know, they, they get their, they take their wigs off and they do start looking terrifying. Yeah, you know what I mean? They turn kids off. into ma- mice. And then you get, uh, what is it? The new one. What's her face? Uh, Anne, Anne Hathaway. Hathaway. Yeah. And it's just like this computer animated vomit yeah. all over the screen. But I mean, Angelica Houston, I, I want to say that, uh, wasn't Tim Curry in that one too? In the witches? Cause wasn't he oh, like the, the old good? One? Yeah. No. Who was I thinking? Like, wasn't he a good witch or something? No, I know who you're what, thinking what, of. what movie am I talking about when Tim Curry is in... Home Alone 2. No, no. Uh, when he's... 
he's kind of like a good wizard. Uh, he's like a good, good. Um, he's a good guy. Are you sure that he's not in that. this in that witch's movie? Yeah, I know that there's a couple people that play certain roles in that movie or whatever. But um, Tim Curry, no, it's the other guy. Um, oh, jeez, Mr. Bean is in that. Remember the guy, uh, Rowan Atkinson. He's in The Witches as, like, the manager of the hotel. Yeah, but there was somebody that was, like, a like some sort of good guy in this movie. That, you talking about The Witches? I want to say it was Tim. I want to say maybe it was Tim Curry that was... He played something where he was, like, a... Oh, man. Know, man. He's always played bad. I mean, like, Dr. Frankfurter, he was kind of... I mean, <laughs> depending on who you are, yeah, you can decide who's the bad guy. And he's really movie. he's had like tons of strokes now. And he was a butler in Clue. Yeah, he's yeah. I think he. I thought he just had the big one. Or maybe that. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. But yeah, same thing as um, oh, man, Timothy Elmanson, who plays Lassiter and Psych. Oh yeah, yeah. But he kind of recovered quite well, I think. A little bit. They were able to bring it. him back in certain certain things but we better get to this one yeah let's do it um real quick have you ever heard of no wait you haven't said it yet Cary grant the singer or the dancer singer the actor back in the... from the back black and white movies yes. Cary grant back Correct. in the day so have you ever heard of the movie called the the bachelor and the bobby soxer no all right let me play this for you Wait. hey you remind me of a man May I present my great uncle, Judge Turner? How do you do? Judge, this isn't a pump handle. He's sharp. Hey, you remind me of a man. What man? The man with the power. What power? The power of hoodoo. Hoodoo. You do. Do what? Remind me of a man. Remind you of... Huh. So, do you? did you know that that's Obviously. where that came from? Obviously, I did now. Did not know until just now, though. Yeah, so... There's a, a movie with Cary Grant and it called the The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer. I have no idea. How'd you figure that out? I mean, I mean, I did, you just do some yeah, research just, on it. Just researching uh, Magic uh, Dance with David Bowie and everything, but um, it actually came from that, and I think that's how we should start our episode with okay. that clip instead of one from the actual sure, movie. Sure. Um, but anyways, pretty pretty uh, obvious there, and uh, you know they just changed man to babe. And everything for the babe. Babe with power. What power? The power of voodoo. Who do? You do. Power of the babe. No, do what? Do what? Remind me of the babe. Wait. Wait. <laughs> Who's on first? That's what it feels like when you're watching this. Uh, today we're talking about the labyrinth. Not the labyrinth, but just labyrinth. Wait, which one? There's no the in front of it. It's just a labyrinth. Yeah. This movie came out in 1986. It was directed by Jim Henson. Uh, the writers for this was Dennis Lee, Jim Henson, and Terry Jones. So Dennis Lee and Jim Henson wrote the story, and uh, Terry Jones wrote the screenplay for it. Hmm. Um, this movie stars David Bowie as Jareth, also known as the Goblin King. Uh, it, it stars Jennifer Conley as Sarah, Toby Frude as Toby. Um, Shelley Thompson as stepmother, Christopher Malcolm as father. Doesn't they don't have names? Those are just their um, 
their whatever names, I guess. Uh, Sherry Weiser uh, played Hoggle in the suit. Uh, she was the uh, the um, body actor for Hoggle, and Brian Henson, uh, the son of Jim Henson, did the mm-hmm. voice of Hoggle. Yeah. Um, if you want to know some other voices, Ron Mook played Ludo, um, and it has two different people as being Didymus. One is Dave Goals, and the other is De- uh, David Allen Barkley. A uh, couple other people you probably wouldn't know. Frank Oz does some work in this. He doesn't do any voice, but he does some puppetry and uh, and body work for the and Frank, wise man with the bird on top yeah. of his head. Frank Oz was definitely uh, what Bugs Bunny, right? <laughs> You're silly. Yoda, I know that for sure. Not Bugs Bunny. That was uh, Mel Blanc who yeah. did Bugs Bunny. No, he did, well, who, uh, did Mel Blanc, who did Bugs Bunny after then? Many people have picked it up, but Mel True. Blanc was the original. Uh, Frank Oz did things like, besides Yoda, he also did Fozzie Bear. He also did Miss Piggy, and uh, many other characters like that same type of voice. Oh, like it, yeah. So, um, so what did you think coming back? When 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 was the time that you saw this previous? Like, how long has it been? Well, I don't know. It could have been pretty recently, actually. Really? Yeah, I think about it because I mean, my daughter likes this movie, but. I want to say, like, I watched it, but didn't, like, really pay attention to it. What parts of it really take you back to your childhood? The biggest part was when she goes into her room and thinks it's her room, but it's really just that crazy... The uh, trash lady's house? The uh, the hoarder. The hoarder. The original, the OG hoarder. The OG hoarder. Um, Yeah. But, I mean, pretty much the whole movie, to be honest with you. Like, yeah. and I forgot I had a thing for Jennifer Connelly when I was younger. <laughs> I think every, everybody about Pretty our much. age did. You Especially know. when she's on that horse that they put the coin into the That's thing. in career opportunities, I, the movie. I know. I was okay. just saying that, especially no, on that, in that scene. I'm informing our audience. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that that scene uh, pretty pretty much uh, did it for me when I, I was younger. Dermot Maroney, was, wasn't he one of the, the bad guys in that? Dude that did, uh, uh, what was it called, Family Stone later mm-hmm. or something like that? Mm, yeah. Um, but it was definitely that dude. Um, who was it? He was in an episode of Psych uh, that played the main guy, mm-hmm. um, Frank Whaley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Dermot Maroney was, and his brother was in it too. <laughs> but uh, they were the, the the robbers and that. But I told uh, Henry, robbers Henry wanted to watch that. I'm like, it's a fun movie, but yeah, they do sexualize that little carousel horse a little bit. Yeah, and I <laughs> like I said, but I mean, the thing, here's the thing, you know. Obviously, she's a lot older, not a lot older than me. Yeah. She's about 11 years older than I am, yeah. you know, but, but back then, you know, it was, it was another one, of, you know, cause my wife always, she's like, well, who did you always have a thing for when you were younger? It was always Princess Leia mm-hmm. and I believe Princess Jennifer Connelly. I don't know, Princess Leia was never a huge thing for me. Mine was like Fast Times, Phoebe Cates, you know, that type of. I mean, that was I, all right, but I, something about Leia and the gold bikini just. And uh, Sandlot girl, uh. What's her name? Oh, yeah. um, oh gosh. She's like just, six years old now. But we just... Uh, she, <laughs> That's a joke, by the way. We, we just did a, a, the episode on Sandlot. What was her name? Um, She's going to make me really mad. Uh, Peppercorn. Jennifer, Wendy Peppercorn. Yeah, there That's we go. That's it. Yeah. So, um, 
but yeah, I mean, there's that. And then, then I like how you said that, you know, oh, I, I had a real big thing for her when I was younger, but yeah. then anybody who has a thing for her when they're younger, then they watch Requiem for a Dream when they grow up and they're like yeah. horrified now to yeah. even think about Jennifer Conley and like, I can never even think about that person, but you know, just being horrified. She's just that she's a great actress. Well, she not really only that, is. but Aronofsky's yeah, movie was just like, just balls to the wall no i remember i remember that was that was it's one of those movies that i say it's one of my favorite movies but like i don't say it out loud yeah you know what i mean like i think you know i'm like you know that movie was phenomenal yeah but it was such a mind screw like that movie just effed with everybody's head that ever watched that movie if you watch that movie and then this is it's like where and you the get soundtrack you, that goes with yes it, and like the, that. but i mean you get you get your first real introduction to jared leto in this movie but you watch him and you're like you're like wow this guy's actually a really good actor yeah. and then you find out he's also the lead singer from 30 seconds to mars and then he just won an oscar a couple years yeah. ago for playing a uh, a transgendered uh, sure. person, he's like one of the most strikingly handsome Hollywood men you that that have ever come through. And actually, Requiem for a Dream was one of his like eh, he did all right type of roles. Yeah. You know, like there was other but it was just like he was getting going started. You know? Yeah, exactly. But he did such a good job, and that and then yeah, you see the success he had. Which I, me and yeah. my me and my drummer Casey, we were listening to Thirty Seconds to Mars when they were still. Like, nobody knew it was Jared that was fronting that band. Uh-huh. It was before the big yeah. one that came, the Beautiful Lie yeah. that was on it came out, when they had more, like, space-themed yeah. titled songs, and it sounded more like space stuff. Well, I got to see him in Warp Tour, and or, you know, 36 Mar- Mars mm-hmm. and Warp Tour, and it was great. I also got to watch Joan Jett in the same, like, st- one stage over in Massachusetts. Okay, that's cool. But I mean, just being able to say, look, I saw Joan Jett and then 20 minutes later I I walked over here to this stage and saw, you know, they should have never got rid of Warped Tour, man. That was one of the best festivals you could go to. they were bringing it back. (sighs) They need to because, I mean, you you buy one ticket and you get to see so many phenomenal bands and it's it's all outside so it's not like there's any seats. You just get, you just go to stage to stage and see different artists. They just said, though, that was a super toxic behind the scenes thing with all the artists yeah. and everything that it just got really bad. Well, and pro- probably because they didn't make probably that much money. You know, these artists probably didn't make hardly anything. If you think about it, you know, most artists, they get paid for... I digress. Let's get back to the yeah. movie. Yeah, let's get back to the movie. 16-year-old Sarah Williams. What kind of a, a generic last name is that, right? Williams. But And Jennifer Collins was actually 16 at the time. Yeah. And I have a friend named Derek Williams. His wife's named Sarah Williams. Very good friend. There's John that, Williams. So makes me think of that. But 16-year-old Sarah Williams recites a book titled The Labyrinth. Now, the book is titled The Labyrinth. Uh-huh. But this movie is titled Labyrinth. Well, that's so why. So, the book is The The. That's the the story. That's the story within the story, right? Mm-hmm. She gets all of her imagination, all the whole thing that she were from about to room. go through. It all comes from that book. Yeah, and her room. Well, I think she there's a lot of homemade looking stuff in there too, right? So she probably made some stuff from the book or whatever. Yeah. But it all, you know, it all comes from the book. Yeah. But she's at the park. She realizes she's she's doing this whole like play by herself. She's not what you'd call a popular. Or she's very doing, good at what she's, she's doing. Literally doing Shakespeare in the park 
with her dog. Okay, yeah. maybe not Shakespeare. But, but her mom's a famous actress. Exactly, which is another thing that maybe I don't think I picked up on when I was younger. That did you? Is this the first time you picked up on that? Yeah, yeah. because I saw, and then I, we, you see all the tabloids, and it says, "Oh, this actress." You're like, oh, "Okay, so her mom was an actress." This makes sense why she's so dramatic. Yeah. You know. With everything you go through, so well, she sounds a lot like Keely too. Because you know, when she's watching her little brother, it's like Keely says some of the same exact things. You know, almost besides wishing for a, a you know goblin king, it's well, more she or less probably miss, wishes for something a kidnapper or something. Yeah, 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 exactly. Something much some worse. random person to walk through the front door and take the child away from her. So Not she the nice goblin king who's bending no, over backwards correct. to fulfill Sarah's. Well, and, and and it's funny because you know, like uh, Keely and her friend were asking, you know. Um, they were straight up asking. They were like, "Well, why? Are they, why is he going after her? You know that she's so sus. You know how they talk nowadays, right? Right, right. And right. and I'm like sitting there, and I'm thinking, well, well, and I say this out loud as well. I say, you know, there's not a whole lot of options in the Goblin Kingdom <laughs> beside that are like humanoid." Like David Bowie's I don't think character. there was a lot of people in the 80s that were wishing for the Goblin King to come take their baby. Well, if Most he's, people had real lives if he's David point. Bowie, then you, there's probably quite a few women that were at wanting that. Maybe some men as well, too. Okay, but So this is going to be hard for you and I to talk to because I think we have two different terms that we're basing this off on. So okay. what happened here? Did this really happen or is this all in her head? Or do you want me to say mine first, or do you want to say yours first? I'll say my first. Okay. Like, I kind of think it's more like a breaking of the fourth wall in a way. Because I, I felt like this was a way for Jim Henson to really show off. Like, this sure. was his show off. Right. Like, everything else that he has done was a buildup. Now, to say that Dark Crystal had been done a couple years right. before this. Right, right. But they this, had a nightmare experience. That was a warm up. That was a warm up for him. Crazy experience. Yeah. But yes, this one this told was a little bit better. His masterpiece, I feel, in a way. I think there was even more puppetry in The Dark Circle. But as far as him as a director incorporating that in with good storytelling, good effects, good yeah. actors. Besides the Muppet Babies, stuff. this was his masterpiece. You know? didn't like the great Muppet caper? No, I mean, it was all great. With you know? uh, Grodin? Yeah. Whatever his name was, something Grodin, Tom Grodin, or Josh Grodin. No, he's just that guy who's always angry, and he was one of the robbers in the Great Muppet Caper. Uh, yeah, he was in Beethoven, the Beethoven. Oh movies. Yes, yeah, and he yes, talks yes. like I that. Know you're talking about. Yes, very deadpan. Yeah, with the smile. Charles Grodin. Know. That's there you it. Go. Yeah. Um, but okay, so you think it's just breaking the fourth wall, Jim Henson just stretching his legs. But as far as the story goes, well, you don't think it really happened, did you? Here's the thing: there's two scenes that really kind of threw me off to to not believe that it was just kind of in her head things. The first scene was at the beginning of the movie where you see the goblin sitting in this dark space. Mm -hmm. Now this could have been a space created by her mind or some sort of dimension created by Jim Henson, you know, with the fourth wall in the sense, sure. but creating this little pocket, you know, of, of the goblins waiting for her to say the proper words. Your son actually asked me, where are they? Yeah. When they were in the yeah. dark, like shut up. Yeah. <laughs> They're doing all the whispering. <laughs> I love that. Were part. you saying that to him too? Shut, shut up! Shut up! Shut up! You shut up! 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 Shut up!
But he was that asking, scene. and all I said was like, "Look, I think it's just a world between worlds where there it's either like a little darkness space underneath the mattress where they're yeah. magically able to mm-hmm. be, or it's like the world between worlds where they're ready to break through and grab." And well, and, and and David Bowie kind of said it too. I mean, it is sort of like another dimension, you know, where where the goblin, the goblin universe or goblin dimension or whatever. But you know, that scene threw me off, and then at the very end where they. He, you know, she's talking to him in the mirror. I wish you were here. You know, then, you know, me, her talking in the mirror, you know, in a way is like saying, oh, maybe that is in her head. Maybe she's dreaming about it. And then she turns around and then they are in her room. Right. You know. But I mean, do you, you, you don't think that's coming, that's happening because that will be very loud, right? Her parents are back in the house. So obviously that's still happening in her head. Yeah, but her parents don't seem, her, her stepmom and her dad doesn't really seem like they're. Come on, man. That was a huge party it. that was being thrown in her room there at the end. Yeah, so but, but again, it's a fourth me. wall break. Well, that, I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't think it was all in her head. I mean, that's just my opinion. Okay. And, and, and I think that. Those two scenes kind of threw it off for me. If they didn't have that beginning scene, that end scene, especially the beginning scene, but if they didn't have the beginning scene, I would have said, mm, you know, and, and granted, she did pull things from her her room. I was going to say, because that opening shot establishes that everything we're about to see is in her room. Now, unless, you know, Jim Henson, this I mean, is a way everything. Jim Henson to weirdly say, like, she is him and he is creating breaking the fourth wall and creating this this universe like, like he does Sarah in real is life. Jim Henson or yes. whatever. Yeah. So there's one part where it can be explained that she's sleeping because she wakes up in her bed, right? Right. And there's one part when she gets mad that she has to do what she's supposed to do and her parents say goodbye and as soon as they say goodbye they leave, right? Mm-hmm. She gets mad and she throws herself down on the bed and she sits there for a second. And then she notices that the stuffed animal's gone. And she gets mad and tries to go in the other room. I think when she laid down there for a minute, that's when she fell asleep. Now, I also think she found some mushrooms in the park. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, she, she wasn't acting, you know, like they, they weren't like, like signaling, you know, at the beginning of the movie, like that she was, you know, kind of tired or exhausted in this. No, you know, she wasn't, she wasn't just kind of like, you know, maybe, most times they do that to lay down. Maybe she banged her head on yeah. the back or something. Mm-hmm. My, my point, the whole reason I'm going towards this is because I'm kind of in line with you. It's a, as far as a breaking the fourth wall, but I think of it more as this is a literal interpretation of somebody coming of age, because she's childish, she's bratty, she throws a fit, right? But by the end, she doesn't care about anything in the junkyard because it's all her possessions that she cared about at the beginning, right? Toby keeps stealing her stuffed animal. She has all her stuff, and she has her time, and she doesn't want to have to deal with her brother. By the time she's in the junkyard, she even tells the trash lady, she's like, "This is all junk. I have to find my brother." So she's finally realizing what's important, finally realizing yeah. how to grow up. I feel like this is a literal interpretation of somebody's coming-of-age story, but told maybe through a dream or a fantasy, however you want to call it. Who's to say what's real in movies or not? You can say, well, this was a fantasy, but in movie world, fantasies can become real, too. You know, I think, I think more stories, so, different things like if that. anything, it's, it's, it's like a stress-induced... Uh, nightmare, if anything, you know, if you think about it, you know, they, they can't really say, you know, I, again, if you know, if you notice, which is a weird trend that's happening lately, but they're turning in, they're turning classic, gentle, calm characters into horror movies now. 
like Winnie the Pooh, right? Okay, but Winnie What the was the Pooh. other one that they did, they just did recently? I can't remember, but I know that Winnie the Pooh, the reason that was is because the, the, the length of time has now lapsed, has expired. For that to be an individually owned property is now part of pro- public property and can be used by anybody without permission or having to pay. Yeah. I think it's something like 80 to 100 years. Winnie the Pooh's been around for that long. Yeah. So, I mean, you have to wait a certain amount of time. And as soon as that broke, you had the people like the makers of Thanksgiving and Ugh. Santa Claus yeah. and everything making the Winnie the Pooh horror movie, you know. And I'm not trying to bash those movies or whatever, but I'm just saying. Now you have Winnie the Pooh, the horror movie, because, you know, the intellectual property expired or whatever. You know, we're going to end up being forced to make that uh, podcast with probably Jen and Alicia. Can you imagine us having to do the stupid Winnie the Pooh one? Well, now that you've said it, now now, now they're going to make us do it. it. Um, No, it's just, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, they used to do that, too. They take, you know, classic characters and and things and then turn it into pornos, you know? So now I think in the nowadays, yeah, yeah. and now they're doing just turning into horror movies. But, you know, it's, it's weird that the way they're doing it, but I think like getting back with the labyrinth, you know, it's, it's more of a nightmare because think about it. What's, you know, if she really didn't care about her brother or really, you know, was into what her brother meant to her because she hated him. I mean, it's, it's her half brother, right? Yeah. We're assuming that it's the the son of her father and her stepmother. Yeah. We don't know what happened to her mom. No. Most likely she died because no. she's acting like she has nowhere to turn. Right. So it's not like her mom's a call away or different things like that. So I assume she's not very popular, obviously, because there's no friends involved in, in what she she's does. Hanging out in the park with her dog. Yeah. And, and so, you know, in all reality, it kind of seems like the parents are the type to say, Hey, uh, we have a 16 year old, uh, daughter, uh, let's now we can go out, you know, we can have children at a young age and then go out and go to parties and, you know, do go to events and things like that. You know, so she probably spends a heck, you know, it's weird. It's like my daughter and that's not saying that we leave my daughter alone all the time with our kids, but I'm just saying like, it's, it's kind of like more of like a sibling, you know, it's, I think it's a way with her that she doesn't realize that, you know, her, what her brother means to her in a way, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure that's not a big part of it, but besides her dog, she probably spends more time with her, her brother than anyone else. Right. You know? So I see this as, I, I, think, I think I see it basically as this is her last, this is her last, um, imagination land trip as a child okay right so as we as children we had this we could revert into imagination land like so quick and suddenly we're in the world we saw the things we saw the lightsabers in our hand we could see the action right whether we're playing with toys not a lot of kids get that nowadays the the younger generation they don't understand what it is to have such an active imagination because we didn't have all these things back in the day so i see as she's had all these different things but now it's time for her to grow up and so, like, these things are coming alive one last time, you know, the things that she's gotten into, Jareth. Jareth has been watching her and, you know, waiting for her to ask to take away the baby to be a part of her fantasies and different things like that. So, I, I see it as, like, this one last fantasy imagination story. You know, she's been reading and acting it out, and so she's finally ready to go through the story all from memory, and she uses this thing as Toby to kick it off. And by the end of it... The, all the characters from that story are saying, should you need us, 
we're always here, basically saying this may be the last time you really dive into this imagination this way, but we're always here if things get tough. You can always revert back to us and have a, you know, read a story and, 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 you know, come back to the book and having a little adventure, you know, come back to it that way. So, uh, you know, that's yeah, just kind of Yeah, but you're also, we're also kind of considering that, you know, in that way of thinking that- Don't tell me I'm wrong. This is the way I see <laughs> not, it, Andrew. I'm just saying, like, in that way of thinking, it almost seems like the characters are very kind of selfish anyway. So why, why would they mean, like, books in general? Maybe just that book in particular? It that's, could be because that was the one that she was reenacting, but yeah. it goes through her room and it shows that she has where the wild things are. It shows that she has uh, Cinderella, that she has uh, Alice in Wonderland. I mean, you know, that's that's the kind of vibe I got off of it. this story. Yeah, and I think I, I got a big, big. Uh, She's basically Alice going through the bunny yeah. hole. You know, I mean, even the upside down doors, you know, was right. that's straight out of Alice in Wonderland yeah. as well. You know, the cards and stuff would be like yeah. meeting the hare, the, right. the the bunny that's always late and everything, and yeah. she hooks up with them every once in a while through the story just like she does with hoggle you meet the the person the reluctant hero in a yeah. sense you know uh whether it be a heroine or a hero in general yeah. you know but you meet the reluctant one who ends up you know can't really trust him at first then they're slowly coming around and then finally they're 100 percent on your side you know Yep, that's how I saw this movie is just this is this is a person who's been crazy in her imagination growing up. Her mom helped her to be very dramatic. She loved watching her mom in the plays and in the movies, so she would constantly and her mom would encourage her to be that way. So when she lost her mother, she dove into it a lot. But now she's getting older. She knows she's got to wrap some of that stuff up and kind of start to become more of an adult, take care of your responsibilities, take care of your brother and everything. So... As she's throwing a fit, it's kind of like one of these, all right, let's do this one last time and have it be the most epic adventure I've been on in my imagination or whatever. Yeah. And then from here on out, I'll always have the books and stories, but it's time for me to grow up. But she definitely seemed like, I mean, she, for one, she wasn't the smartest person, and you think she would know the story. Although she knew the riddles she didn't make pretty a lot, well. To a point, but like, like when he said, do you want to go up or down? Why would you go down? She sat down. That's yeah. what the boys said. I was like, she could have gone back up. She said down. But I mean, in the end, it all it all was always meant to, you know, end. Hoggle just so happened to be there at that time. Right. Hogwarts. They called, yeah. Remember they called him Hogwarts? It's from a story, you know. What? Hogwarts. Yeah. Yeah. J.K. Rowling. But um, speaking of uh, Where the Wild Things Are, Maurice Sendak, who wrote Where the Wild Things Are, also wrote a, a story called Outside Over There. And it's basically about this person. I can't remember if it was a boy or a girl, but they get a baby or a cousin or something kidnapped and they have to go into this magical fantasy world. And I think go through like a maze and do all these different things. Mm. It's basically the story of yeah. the labyrinth. So they had to give credit to him, of course, because of that. And if you look at Ludo, he actually looks like one of those things yeah, on where exactly. the wild things are. So with the horns and everything. But um, the the whole point is uh, the, the the adventure and all the people she meets. It's meant to be an introduction on how to deal with life growing up, right? So she met Hoggle and thinks he is despicable for killing fairies. Because remember, this is the the last adventure, but they're also trying to help her grow up a little bit, the story is or whatever. She thinks that he's despicable for killing fairies, but then what did she find out? Yeah. The fairies are little buttholes. They are little buttholes. Right? So Fighting buttholes. Exactly. So, you know, they're they're not as nice as as she thought. Uh, There's many times when she realizes that things aren't fair, and when one of the other characters say, oh, it's not fair, 
She's like, yeah, it's not fair. And then she understands that point that life is not fair. You know, all these different things that, that, that they're teaching, you know, I think Ludo is there to teach her to be more nurturing, like towards her brother or whatever, yeah. because she has to be nurturing towards him. Sir Didymus is showing her a mirror em- image of her like hot headedness, you know, yeah. and, and how like she, she can't be, you have to calm her down to, to even get her to listen to anything. Um, and you know narcissism as well. You know he can't- well, and, and it's funny too because like with with Hoggle, he's a coward. He says he's a coward, right? You know what I mean, right? And, and even even cowards can be courageous sometimes, right? And that's the thing is that you meet Hoggle and you think he's a certain person and he's a coward all these times, but in the end he has her back and everything. Yeah. And it it just shows you there's there's not all good and all bad. Yeah. Some people, even the closest people, are going to let you down. You have to forgive them for that mm-hmm. and understand that everybody's human and everything. Um, you know, I talked about Didymus's narcissism. You know, he can't seem to smell what is obviously to everyone. Remember, he can't smell the, the bog of eternal stench because, you know, he, that's just, just how he lives his life. You know, he's very narcissistic when it comes to that. Um, yeah. And Jareth taking the baby, it teaches her about thinking before she acts or says things and yeah. understanding the consequences. And realizing that just because, you know, that baby is not the same as her, doesn't mean that that's still not her brother. Right. You know what I mean? And the fact that, you know, she 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 didn't want to have anything to do with him. He was annoying, blah, blah, blah. But then when he was gone, you know, she, she was missing, right. you know, a big, a big, big uh, part of herself, right. you know, in a way. Because like, like I said before, you know, she spent more time with probably her brother than any human. Yeah. And Jareth is like the fear of adulthood. Yeah. So you have that fear of adulthood literally stealing a baby away from you you know maybe your younger self or her younger self or yeah. whatever so you have that fear of growing up and that's what i think jareth represents you know wh- whether through the owl imagery or whatever but um it's one another one of these uh did they actually really go type of stories you know yeah. um so uh, she's a brat, obviously, right? She goes into her room and throws a fit, and they're like, all right, well, we're going to get out of here. Have a good night. <laughs> and she's like, oh, you really wanted to talk to me, huh? You know, one of these people, like, she goes, you practically broke down the door. So, I mean, she's a huge brat and wants people to react to her. Stupid brat. Just like a child, Stupid but she's brat. 16. Have you yeah. ever met a 16-year-old that acts like this? Mm, I have I mean, your daughter. daughter your daughter was nine years old and acting more mature than this girl. True. You know, and she's supposed to be 16. But that's my unless point. You about get her, like, unless you don't get her Starbucks and then she flips her shit. <laughs> or Dave's chicken. I've, yeah. I've found that out. That that's so really annoying. upset. I know. She <laughs> keeps God. texting, like, we really want Dave's hot chicken. And I'm like, I really don't want to go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so anyway, she she gets to she gets back to her uh, her house. She gets chewed out by her her, her dad and her stepmother. Um, she tries to put her brother Toby to bed, but he's crying. And I remember even from my childhood thinking that this constant crying was so annoying. Like you get to the point where you're like, I don't blame her for a second. Because <laughs> I mean, with your own child, it's fine, right? Yeah. But with somebody else's child, you're just like, oh, shut the crying up. True. When I'm at Walmart, something. it's like. God, will somebody take care of that baby and look down? Oh, wait, it's my baby. <laughs> I was going to say, you have all the babies yeah, in the store. If you're in the store and there are babies, they're probably uh, yours. Because I'm, you like, I'm like, oh, my so God, will somebody pick up that child and just scream? Oh. Hey, babe. That was so the, great. The baby's it screaming. Was such tr- it was so true to real life. It's like, somebody shut that baby. Oh, that's my baby. My bad. <laughs> So, obviously, she's super dramatic. Her mom was an actress, all that kind of stuff. So. 
um, baby gets taken, and Jareth appears and it's like, okay, I don't know why 13 hours, but he changes the clock to 13 hours. He wants to give her a baker a baker's dozen uh, amount of hours or something. Well, it wasn't in correlation with what the time her parents were supposed to be back or something. They're not going to be gone for 13 hours. They're only supposed to be gone for a couple hours, so they were going to eat and have some dancing or a movie or something and come home. So I don't know. It's re- it's obviously not that because then they get home right when she wakes up. Exactly. And she's been sleeping the whole time she was supposed to be babysitting. Either that or she's been in some yeah, far and off And land. the child is perfectly right, fine. Right. Which never happens in real life. And I was just thinking about the whenever they're in the middle of that room with the baby and they're like, how terrified would that child have been? Because David Bowie is the only <laughs> normal one out of that, but. He wasn't exactly normal yeah. looking. Well, the kid's crazy the, hair. And the guy actually, uh, his name is Toby. Toby yeah. in real life. And what's they had funny to, to get him to look. Yeah. Well, and they uh, apparently they had some sort of puppet that they had. I mean, which is funny, uh, a Jim Henson production, but they just so happened to have a sock puppet that was nice. able to entertain this baby, which is kind of ironic if you think about it. But yeah, uh, so apparently Dave Bowie. David Bowie off scene would use his puppet so that the baby would pay attention and be kind of like hypnotized look instead of crying because apparently he was crying quite often. Jim Henson, perhaps the best puppeteer of all time. (laughs) Of all time. Doing puppet tricks Literally all time. That's got to be an epic claim that Toby can now make that he had a private puppet show with Jim Henson at the height of his success. No, David Bowie was doing it apparently. Oh, I thought Jim Henson was doing it. No, no, it was David Bowie off the side. Because you think about it, you know, that baby. made the baby noises and 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 magic dance. Yeah, but what I'm saying is like that baby, the baby in... And David Bowie probably spent a lot of time together, you know, for this movie, you know. And I guess the kid, uh, Toby, grew up to do some a lot of voice acting and, and actually being in other movies. Yeah. He didn't just do this and then, you know, like, never do anything else again, you know, uh, movie related. But, no, he actually did a lot of voice acting and stuff, so... Well, uh, she takes him and the first person she meets uh, right outside the labyrinth, he kind of... Jareth kind of whisks her off and basically drops her off right there on the edge of the labyrinth mm. and says, good luck, we'll see you in the middle. Mm. Uh, she meets uh, Hoggle, who's killing all these fairies and um, having a real good time doing it, too. Yeah, it's so weird because it's like it's a lot of like the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, too, if you think about he's it. Playing, he's playing James McAvoy's character, yeah. the the what is it, a fawn? or Fawn. A, not a fawn. I think it's a fawn. No, a fawn is just like a baby or a, a female deer, isn't it? No, that's a doe. Doe, a female yeah, deer. But isn't a fawn like a baby deer? No, I think fawn is a goat. Maybe it is a goat. It could be wrong. And now I need to know what a fawn is. You can tell we didn't grow up in the country. I was going to say, like, <laughs> here we are in our 40s, and we don't even know what fawn Yeah, a young deer. Uh. I don't know what he's playing then. He's playing some kind of... Um, goat man. Goat. Yeah, I guess... I don't know what that would be called. I'm sure I know he there's a the thing. It's the thing about his it. legs. Like, he's either half goat or in a wheelchair, you know? Mr. Tumnus. Yeah. That's it, Mr. Tumnus. You, sound, um, you sounded so uh, sassy when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so basically everybody in this labyrinth are the least helpful people you've ever met in your life. They're extremely miserable. Jareth gives her nothing, and he's, like, just working against it the whole time. Hoggle's like a secret spy, but he honestly just looks like he'd rather be out there just leave him killing alone. fairies. Yes, just leave him alone. Like, he's he doesn't have a garden. He doesn't have anything yeah. else. It's just, like, it's just not, it's not even his area. Like, he doesn't have a home there. Yeah. He's just randomly outside killing fairies. Well, he's a goblin. He lives under Is the Is he a goblin? Are you sure? 
They're all goblins. I know that the, all the bad guys are goblins, but is he technically a he goblin? He looks like a goblin. I guess so. I mean, what, would you, what else would you consider him? Like a I troll? Guess, but I mean, like he has a hat. Maybe he's a troll because like he's in front of maybe. that bridge, kind of, right? I don't know if there's a bridge. I don't know, man. He's just outside killing fairies. Like if he if he had like a cottage a there or something, from way back. He could be. Yeah, that yeah. would make sense. But he finally gets her in the the labyrinth, and she says something that pisses him off because he hates everybody. And she goes and meets this caterpillar who's completely unhelpful. Come inside, meet the missus. You know. Did you say hello? No, I said hello, but that's close enough. You're a worm, aren't you? Yeah, right. You don't by any chance know the way through this labyrinth, do you? Oh, me? No, I'm just a worm. Oh. Come inside and meet the missus. Literally, the caterpillar could have solved all her problems immediately. Yeah. yeah, she was about to go left when he finally showed her the way in. And no, no, don't go that way. Now, would you go, oh, thanks, and then just turn and go the other way? Or would you go, well, why? Yeah. So anyway, she goes, no, don't down that way. Never go down that way. Oh, okay, thanks. She goes down the other way. He goes, she had gone down that way. That would have led her straight to the castle. Yeah, but the thing is, she wouldn't have been able to defeat the, the uh, goblin. Well, I mean, if it was a dream. She had to go through the journey. She probably, yeah, she had to go, she had to go through the journey. Yeah, yeah, going straight there, she wouldn't have learned everything she needed to. And she probably wouldn't have pulled that whole, you have no power of me no, at the She end. couldn't beat the rest, the rest of the people without, especially, like, give her Ludo and she's good. Like she could, she could defeat everybody with Ludo. That's what I'm saying. She's finally got friends for the first time, so she, so she's learning all the different things. Like there's people like Hoggle, who are worth it, are worth having as a friend, but they may let you down every once in a while. Well, it was kind of like a, a uh, it's kind of thing for Hoggle to go through in a way too. Sure, you know, there's some scenes just with him and Jerry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but but I mean, like. He kind of he he changed. That's the one person. thing that makes me think. Well, did it really happen? Yeah. Because when you have the person who supposedly it's happening to, and she's dreaming, yeah. but she has no like Overwatch over the scene, yeah. and it's just two other characters uh-huh. randomly talking. Usually, that just that means it's really happening. Because how yeah. would she? How are we seeing that if this is all she's supposed nowhere to be, from to be her found? Point of view? Yeah. yeah. So it's a and the fact that Hoggle did go through uh, his own journey throughout the story sure. you know what i mean yeah. it was it was not just a grumpy old coward to, to the hero you know i mean she was the hero of the story right. but like he was the he, he was her, her he was hero samwise or yes. something like that yeah. yeah if we want to get that way yeah or uh her han solo to right. her luke skywalker yes. yeah it's all grumpy it's and it's all the same. can be a butt face. It's all part of the damn, damn matrix. Cares about her in the end. So she goes to uh, the my favorite part of the of the uh, the labyrinth, and that's where. Let me see. Uh, da, da, da. Ah, they skipped it in this this recap or whatever. But it's the two soldiers. So this is a common riddle. Okay. Yes. Have you ever heard it asked? Yeah, yeah. So you have to ask. So one of the doors leads. Onwards. I'm gonna let you explain this because I'm still kind of confused. One of the doors leads to bum certain death. Yes, as correct. they said it. Right. So um, close my eyes so I can concentrate. Okay, so she has to ask. She gets one question and she can only ask one of them, and she needs to know which door to take. But one of them always tells the truth, and one of them always lies. So first of all, who could you even know to ask first? And since right. you don't know if you're talking to the person who's lying or telling the truth, what question could you ask to ascertain that and therefore get your answer? 
you could ask if that if that person's a liar. But then if because, they told but, but you, but if they say if they say no, then it would be a lie. If they said yes, how it, do you know it would be a lie? If if they said no, so you said you would ask the person if they're a no, liar, no. You would right? ask the other person if if you'd ask if, person A if if B if thinks that A is a liar because that's what she did, yeah. kind of right. Yeah. So it's all in it's all in like the double meaning or you know like double questions or how you put it. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like a double negatives yeah. type thing. So the, what she ends up asking the one on let's call him guard A, she says, "Would he tell me that this is the right door to go through?" And he said, "Uh," and they kind of go back and forth, and he's like, "Yes." And she said, "Okay, so I know it's the other door to go through." And she go, he goes, "Well, what if he was lying?" And she goes, "Well, if he was lying, then it wouldn't matter." And it would be that door anyways, because I was asking about this door. So it has to be that door. And he's like, what if he was telling the truth? And he's like, well, then you would be lying. And so either way, I still know I have to go through this door. Does that make sense? You can only ask one of us. Mm-hmm. It's in the rules. And I should warn you that one of us always tells the truth and one of us always lies. That's a rule, too. He always lies. I do not. I tell the truth. Oh, what a lie. Oh. <laughs> ah, he's the liar. <laughs> All right. Answer yes or no. Huh? Would he tell me that this door leads to the castle? Yes? Then the other door leads to the castle, and this door leads to certain death. Oh. How do you know? He could be telling the truth. But then you wouldn't be. So if you told me that he said yes, I know the answer is no. But I could be telling the truth. But then he would be lying. So if you told me that he said yes, I know the answer would uh, still be no. Wait a minute. Is that right? I don't know. I've never understood it. Kind of. I'm like right there. <laughs> I think you have. I think we have to like write it down because I had to kind of go over it in my head a couple times to really get it. But I love riddles like that where you have to yeah, figure out there's one too. way to get to the answer and you got to figure out how to get to an answer. And in all my college classes, they used to bring up riddles like that all the time, yeah. like just to make you think. Yeah. Just that. I don't know. If anybody else has a better explanation on how to explain this, let us know. We'll share it. Um, if we've gotten it wrong, if I've gotten it wrong, let us know. Uh, Please let him know because then it'll drive him crazy if he figures out he got it wrong. Um, so uh, we would just to establish uh, all that led to. I guess it was the wrong. I guess she was wrong in the end anyway because she ended up falling. <laughs> but um, that's well, the part. She, like, did she get it death. right? But I mean, what was that? Then she's supposed to say, "Go up." And if the helping hands made her go up, then that's where she was supposed to go. But it was funny because the boys asked me, like, well, didn't they get it wrong since she fell down anyways? I was like, you know, that's a good point. She probably did get that wrong because she fell down anyways. Either that or she was supposed to go back up and she said down. Anyways, either one, they leads to an oubliette, which is basically just kind of a dead end and a... In a, uh, a maze or whatever. Yeah, Hoggle had a key somehow. Hoggle's there, and he does this cool little trick that I was just, just love when I was kid. Uh, when I was a kid, and there's just like an empty space, and he lifts up the door, opens it, all these pans fall out, 
kicks him away, closes it, opens from the other side, and there's a pass. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But it's like cool because now as an adult, you're older, you can see as soon as he closes it and the light kind of comes on from the other side, you can see where the cut was made yeah. or whatever. But really cool practical effects on way to do uh, ways to do that to make it look really cool. No special effects were needed. Like the There's CGI out at the very beginning, though, with the owl. And the first time any animal has been CGI'd in a film. <laughs> Just had to throw that fact out. Yeah. So do we think that all the goblins were previously taken babies that were just forgotten about? Correct. Their babysitters just yes. said, oh, okay, I'll go back. Yeah. I think I remember reading this book. I, I believe this is an actual book. Because they said that, that, that not only would Toby, but Sarah would be turned into one yeah. of them and they'd live with them forever. Well, a lot of times the, the, the adult or the older person does not go with the baby, you know, so they just take babies. And then and they, they don't and, even and, enter the labyrinth. They're just like, ah, I'm not good doing it. It maybe. becomes a kidnapping case. So yeah. maybe this really is happening if there's all these goblins. But uh, I digress. So or those are just wrecked childhoods yeah. that have turned into goblins or something. But you know what? I remember hearing about. Remember, and the helping I'm hands were sure creepy. This, I just wanted yeah, to say that. But it was so well done. It was done with all the faces yeah. and everything. I thought it was so really good. good. And the lighting, the but way you had to get the lighting just right. Can you imagine how careful they had to be as she's dropping down, like where they're putting yeah. their hands and everything? Um, like you had to be so careful. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so she uh, she goes along a few more things. They meet Jareth. He ups the threat because she tries to act like it's no big deal, tries to talk front. You know, he's Hoggle's trying to act like he's doing what he's supposed to without – you know them talking about it in front of Sarah and everything, and Jareth's basically throwing Hoggle under the bus. They finally get out of there, but they run into a part of the labyrinth where they hear this big growling, and this is Ludo, where we get to meet Ludo. And uh, Ludo is, I think, just representative of the uh, the scary things that come with nurturing others and taking care of others just manifested into that beast because he's a beast and he looks scary but he's actually very kind and he can call rocks as a defense i don't know what that has to do with anything but i mean he's just a very kind she she finds himself nurturing him kind of like a little brother like you know she would nurture or try to take care of toby Make maybe sure it was like rock and roll because david bowie was in the that's movie. a good one because they rock and they yeah, roll they the do. rocks roll they do so um Anyway, she gets uh, she uh, meets up with with uh, Ludo, and they're doing their whole thing. And then um, they kind of scream. She kind of screams for Hoggle because she gets separated from Ludo, and he eventually helps her and saves her. But before that, there was a meeting with Hoggle and Jareth. And in this meeting, um, Jareth tells her basically, if she kisses you, you're gonna go to the uh, the Bog of Eternal Sense forever. He's like, but this is what I want you to do. I want you to get. <laughs> it's so funny. That's like the worst thing in this land, you know. Not being murked, not being like tortured or anything else like that. It's literally they will push you in a stinky bog. <laughs> like, oh, you murdered somebody. You murdered your fellow goblin. We're gonna put you into the stinky yeah. bog. What's the most kid friendliest threat? Right. That we could think of that would be the worst. Well, what are kids? Time hate? out. Kids hate farts. Yeah. And they think farts are hilarious. Yeah. Oh, farts stink. They're the worst. Well, yeah. they, they just made that the worst. And we're going to put you in permanent timeout because nobody's going to be out. around you because you stink. So then he gave her a roofied peach 
that has a roofie in it, and it says, "Hey, give this to her." Why do you think they chose a peach? Like not not an apple. Know. Like apples generally are representative of the trick, of, the, of lore. the trick, the lore. You know, I mean, for centuries to you know? lure you in. Yeah, to be but a they roofie. used a peach. <laughs> Isn't that isn't that a bit weird? Yeah, like yeah. like you would think that they would automatically go for an apple, unless again if this because I'm I swear this is a, a I never a, wanted an to eat a peach tail. after this, so it did it did it probably you just did don't horrible, like fruits or vegetables, but it probably did horrible things to the peach industry after you, this. You just don't like fruits and vegetables. Horrible things. So anyway, she kisses him to say thank you after he saves her, and they both get flushed to the bog of eternal stench. There they meet up with Ludo, and they have to get out of there. But they also meet another creature, kind of this anthropomorphic fox dog thing. I don't even know what it. Star I fox. guess it kind of looks like a fox, but it kind of looks like a dog. It's got an eye patch. It's the exact same thing dog. as the stuffed animal that we saw at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Right, it panned right past Sir Didymus with the eye patch and everything. Yeah. So. Um, but you got you, we got to we got to hold on a second here, okay. right? The genius of that man, Jim Henson, true pioneer, true just genius, artistic genius. I mean, he created these these creatures, like, and he did such a good job bringing them back to life. Worlds, the environments, yeah, and the worlds that they go into, and Entirety what they can do and what they can't do, and yeah, he's like an author, but instead of you know writing the words on a book, he shows them to right. you. You know what I mean? And, and it's of course, just the he, genius of it. He's got to be more about showing as far as the puppets and everything, yeah. right? You got to think that these things are alive. Every once in a while, you'll run into one. You're like, okay, that's somebody sitting behind, right? Right. Doing this. But but even even now as an adult, like I see you know like Sesame Street and things like this, right? And it's just so weird to see how well it is done to this day. To the fact that you don't even think about or like how much better it was done around the corner. Then. Yeah, yeah, because you know things like this. You know, like you're at a kid's birthday party and you're trying to figure out the trick that the magician's showing you. You know what I mean? But with Jim Henson, it's so seamless that you you don't even look for the trick. You just you get into the world. Yeah. You know, and he does it with with Sesame Street Muppets. You know, anything Muppet related. I mean, you know, Jim Henson is you know the originator. I've said it before. You know? The way I like to consume. Um, a Christmas Carol every Christmas year is yeah. through Muppets Christmas Carol. Yeah. So yeah, and watching them nowadays and thinking like like man, they were masters back then. Yeah. Especially Ninja Turtles Part Two, the, oh, yeah. the animatronics there. Oh yeah, phenomenal. Um, okay, so uh, so in uh, meeting Sir Didymus, we find he's a very hot headed uh, little fox thing. <laughs> fox, he, but he's very chivalrous as well. So he fights Ludo, but then. You know, succeeds the match to Ludo. Hey, poor Ludo. Like Ludo's like, like the, you see the character and you're like, you know, you're waiting for this him to person go, could not. This is bullshit. I can conquer this mountain. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I just want to drink a beer and sit by myself. But no, I mean, it's just like, he, she's like, like, she's like, that was scary, huh? He's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they torture him. Like, everybody tries to fight. It's like, like Take you know, advantage you, of him. yeah, you're in high school or middle school or elementary, or whatever, right? And, you know, like, they always pick on the big kid. Because it's 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 weird, like the a little giant. Yeah, yeah. You always pick up the gentle giant because you know that that giant's not going to hurt you. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you could hurt that giant 
for ever and it would probably not hurt you that's what ludo is then the dang, dang freaking turbo dog thing fox thing just starts attacking him and you're like you're like stop yeah, it yeah yeah you're like stop <laughs> it he hasn't done anything to anybody yeah but then they come they become bros remember then you know they they, they thank each other for be going in battle together you know everything like that so so that's always good but um so they finally decide to work together, and he, they're like, whoa, 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 dude. We just want to get across. He's like, well, I've been tasked to not let anybody cross without permission. And they're like, can you give us permission? And he's like, oh, yeah. Okay, you have permission. You know, so it was this whole big fight for nothing. So maybe another lesson for Sarah. Maybe establish your expectations beforehand all that kind of stuff. Maybe not rush into judgment, different things like that. So like I said, all all themes kind of leading into more responsible adultness, uh, adulthood or whatever, but being taught in a way that she can consume it in a fantasy childlike way. Right, right, right. So they cross the, uh, you know, Ludo calls the rocks. So they have a little rock bridge across the bog and everything. They don't have to stink. Well, eventually Sarah eats the peach. And uh, and then of course Hoggle's like I mean come on oh, now it's I like feel terrible it's now. like okay you've met you've known Hoggle for how long yeah maybe he's helped you out here and there right yeah but he just so randomly has a peach hey I found this peach for you <laughs> it's like I promise I didn't put anything there's no bread no there's no nothing no food ever in this entire world but yet he happens to have a perfectly but if you'll just eat this peach. while you lay in this wheeled cart that I have here that makes it easier for me to get you back to my home. Yeah, a little creepy. Um, she eats it, and she falls into this weird, crazy thing, right? So maybe it had mushrooms in it. Right. She's tripping balls. Yeah, tripping balls. But all before that, we passed the little fiery creatures. I didn't I didn't know how badly you wanted to go into yeah, that definitely. and everything like that. But you had sense. the whole fiery creatures. I mean, it's got to be said. That, that was an was epic. There's good. a whole behind-the-scenes yeah. uh, featurette that you can look on how they did that, how they all had, like, the black wear on. Yeah. No, I did. I, they're I, holding yeah. the puppets and stuff, and they're all on a black screen, and then they superimpose the yeah. background, all that kind of stuff. It's a really cool thing of how they did it. But, yeah, it freaks a lot of people out, especially them taking their heads off and switching them and throwing their heads around. Hey, his head don't come off. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but anyway, she she falls into this thing where, you, you know, she's wearing that dress that you saw in that little thing. Remember uh, from the beginning, mm-hmm. the little ballerina thing that she the trash lady gives her. And I think that this is cheating in their little game between Sarah and Jareth because she's he's distracting her by he, drugging he literally her like Alice moves Wonderland. the clock over so he cheats the entire well, yeah, time that's he is true. the Goblin King that's true all. that's true you gotta you gotta and maybe that's why they were able to get back before the Sarah's parents got home is because he spent up the time mm-hmm. so we didn't really get the full thirteen I think he shaved like five or six hours off didn't he something I believe like so maybe I it was so. less but. Um, you know, but he's there to play his role. That it's that role that separates them forever, right? He's always going right. to be the antagonist, right? And he, but he loves her, and it's really weird because it's, when we we're younger, we didn't think about this. We didn't think no. it's just think about some magical. I don't even see Jareth as a man. He's more yeah. just like a magical creature, maybe mm-hmm. an extension of a goblin. What a goblin eventually becomes when they become king, I don't know. But he loves her, so he's he's tired of playing this role and wants her to stay. 
after all their time at odds, right? Mm-hmm. He wants her to stay there, right? He's a creepy pedophile that's like 37 years old, or 39 actually in this movie. <laughs> but that's why I said... <laughs> She's 16. They, uh, oh, gosh. But that's why I said that that like he's the fear of getting older. That's what Jareth is meant to represent because he's there the whole time. She doesn't want to get older. She doesn't yeah. want to mature. She wants to keep doing the fantasy thing that reminded her of her mom and all that kind of stuff. He's there to now distract her from this with the peach and the little dance scene and everything like that. He's doing everything he can to get her to forget about her brother, yep. to get her to forget about responsibilities growing up, all that kind of stuff. So that's, you know, that's, that's Jared. That's that fear of responsibilities and getting older. Just wanted her to stay mm-hmm. there. So she finally kind of, uh, she's like, wait, wait, I can't do this. And she was about to kiss the dude. Really weird. But glad that didn't happen because uh, she was really 16 at the time. And really David weird. Bowie was in his late, like mid to late 39, 30s. 39. Something like that. Yes. Yeah, my age. So yeah. that's weird. Um, so anyway, she breaks out of this somehow and she falls down into the trash pile. So she's back in the real world. She's trash. Like yes. uh, the, the real labyrinth world, quote unquote, and everything. But it looks like her room until she realizes it's just a recreation of her room in the middle of a dump. And the trash lady is obviously working for Jared. She's trying to get her to forget. Forget. So yeah. the peach made her forget, and it also made her go into this trance. She she got out of the trance, but she still hasn't remembered what she's there for. She does. She doesn't remember that she's there for Toby. So she keeps the trash lady keeps giving her all the things that she wanted when she was young. Don't you want this? These are really pretty. Don't you want this? All the things that a young girl would yeah. want. She's trash. She's real trash. <laughs> and here's dear old Flopsy. You'll want her right there. You go. Oh, yes. Ah, oh, yes. Charlie Bear. Right there. Charlie Bear for you. Mm-hmm. It was something I was looking for. Ah, don't talk nonsense. It's all here. Everything in the world you've ever cared about is all right here. Look, here's your little toy candy shop. There are dangers untold and hardships unnumbered. I fought my way here to the castle. Beyond the Goblin City. Take back the child that you have stolen. What's the matter, my dear? Don't you like your toys? It's all junk. Well, what about this? This is not junk. So there's all, it's all junk, but it's all that stuff that she cared about at the beginning. And now she goes, wait a minute. She goes, no, this is junk. And she goes, junk, even this, and shows her the little ballerina one that we just saw her live action repeat or whatever and she goes yeah it's junk she goes i have to get my brother she smashes it smashes everything else and then everything starts tumbling down and that's when ludo and every her friends come back for her you know the friends that are helping her to grow up right so they get her out of there and they find they're suddenly right there at the edge of the goblin city they made it through the labyrinth they're at the goblin city they fight this big old big old statue thing and everything that came out i thought it was like one of the coolest parts when i was younger too is that it came off the door yeah you know yeah. did you like this whole fight scene with the, yeah. the goblin city yeah what is your favorite part of the movie well it's just it, it just uh, well we can leave that to later yeah. but what tell me what you thought it about just, the goblin city scene. i just thought it was such a again it's it's like watching willow again you know like when you're younger, I guess you don't realize the epicness of certain movies. So, like, sorry. Uh, so, like, you know, it's just, it's weird because, you know, back then it wasn't, like, epic. You were just like, well, this is a long movie. Good, but long movie. But then you realize that 
you know, now it was an epic movie. Yeah, Yeah, like nowadays you're like, this movie was epic, you know, and it it really was epic. You know, it wasn't as as a lot of these movies are a lot shorter in my mind that you know. Well, when I when I, before I actually watch them again, you know what I mean. Like in my head, I'm like, man, that movie's so short. Can I really have something to talk about on it? Then I watch it. I'm like, holy crap, there is a lot more to this movie than I remember. Well, and same thing was when we get in here. You know, when we get in here to start recording, we may not have much to say, but then just the mere fact of us talking to each other it might make you think of something, and yeah. that's where we usually get a lot of our. Yeah, but stuff. I mean, the whole battle scene, I thought it was just really well done. I mean, Jim Henson. He knows what he's doing, you know. He always knew what he was doing in a way. And so it, it just the way that Ludo was able to open the, the 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 house and people were running up and down and like switching back and forth between what Didymus is doing, way off on his own because he's like yeah, and he just takes off on his own to go fight. I mean, people weren't running away from him, so yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's the, that they're scared of him or the fact that they just didn't want him anywhere near. Yeah, them. Didymus is certain is, is definitely like he's a G, like he's one of the ones that they definitely need on their team. How did she not figure out, like, be like, hey, this looks a lot like my dog? (laughs) Yeah, I know, like, almost exactly Uh, like her dog, except for the times when you could tell it's a puppet, then it's, like, a little weird, but... Yeah, but it was still so well done, too, you know, that you almost didn't realize it was a puppet, you know? Yeah. Just... (laughs) It's it's like, it's okay, you know, I, 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 I think of it, and I think of Goofy and Pluto. Like... They're both dogs. Right. But why does one of them the pet of the other one? That's why then they say in the Big Bang Theory, they're like, why doesn't he like Goofy? I don't know. He's fine with Pluto because Sheldon doesn't like Goofy because it's not natural for a dog to stand up and walk around like that. Why does he get to do that when Pluto's over here acting like a normal dog? So that's when they're like, why does he hate Goofy? I don't know. He's fine with Pluto. (laughs) so funny. Um, so, anyways, they, after they get through the whole battle and everything, they get up to the uh, Dance Magic Dance Room where they were all just chilling. Uh, that was like the Game somebody, of Thrones yeah. or the Rome type Somebody room. popped the keg. <laughs> Got, so, they were really hammered. Um, but she gets in there, and they're about to follow her. She goes, no, i got to do this by myself. So this is that last step of I have to confront my fear of growing up by myself, right? Yeah. And they told her before this, should you need us, we'll always be here for you. Right. And so that was kind of like one of the last things like, okay, we know you're going in to finally tackle the last part of trying to grow older and let your childhood go. But if you need us, your childhood is always here to come back to, even if you won't experience it the same right. way. So anyways, they get into this room. It looks like MC Escher's relatively, you know, the one with all the different stairways yeah. going everywhere. And well, when so. I was in art class, and, and as soon as I saw that scene, I, I remember back, I was like... And she had that know, poster in her room, yeah, too. Yeah, she yeah. Went to this. But but I went to art class and they taught us how to draw like that, you know, and then yeah. that's how you, you get perspective, perspective right, you know, right. And, and so, you know, it, and the easiest way to do perspective is literally turn the paper. Sure. And to, to, to get perspective, you know, and in a way, you know, that's really all you got to do is you just got to oh, go in a cool. circle, you know, but just turn the image until it makes yeah. sense yeah but it's that's the thing that's uh you know in art class they teach you how to draw like that because so you can learn perspective you yeah. know and so it, that, as soon as i saw that scene again i was like yeah man i remember learning about this but he basically just says like here's a crystal you can have this so you can forget about your brother and everything and she's just trying to find her brother so <clears throat> she finally meets up with with Jareth, and then the final confrontation give me the child 
and uh, Jared says, Sarah, beware. I've been generous up till now. I can be cruel. And she said, generous? What have you done that's generous? And Jared says, everything. Remember, he's played his role like right, he was supposed right. to play. But nothing he said was sounded generous to me. Like, nothing he did or but said. he says it out, but that's the point, is that it presents it in a way that a child would see it. So that's how we see it, until Jareth says these things that she needed to learn. And she's like, what have you done that's generous? He said, everything. Everything that you have wanted, I have done. You know, you asked that the child be taken. I took him. You cowered before me. I was frightening. I have reordered time. I have turned the world upside down, and I have done it all for you. I'm exhausted from living up to your expectations. Isn't that generous? Basically saying, I have been everything that I'm supposed to be in this tale. Right. And all I want is to love you, and all I want is for you to stay with me. Yeah. And this is that, that fear, of, a fear of growing up and everything. <laughs> if you want to see it that way, sure. <laughs> but it's that fear of growing up. It's been like, I'm exhausted from living up to your expect expectations. Basically, I'm exhausted from trying to make this fantasy world the way that it would be to keep you in it. Yeah, somebody need to call that guy from NBC. <laughs> And yeah. she said, give me the child. Through dangers untold and hardships unnumbered, I have fought my way here to the castle beyond the Goblin City to take back the child that you have stolen. For my will is as strong as yours, and my kingdom is as great. And then she can't remember the line that she had to look up in the, in the book at the beginning. But this is the line that she says to that fear of childhood. That, or that fear of growing up, the fear of going on to the next thing. You have no power over me. And that's when immediately he threw up the thing and said, okay, it's over. Give me the child. Sarah, beware. I have been generous up until now, but I can be cruel. Generous? What have you done that's generous? Everything. Everything that you wanted, I have done. You asked that the child be taken. I took him. You cowered before me. I was frightening. I have reordered time. I have turned the world upside down. And I have done it all for you. I am exhausted from living up to your expectations. Isn't that generous? Through dangers untold and hardships unnumbered. I have fought my way here to the castle beyond the Goblin City. For my will is as strong as yours. And my Stop. Wait. Look, Sarah. Look what I am offering you. Your dreams. And my kingdom is great. I ask for so little. Just let me rule you. And you can have everything that you want. Kingdom is great. Damn. I can never remember that line. Just fear me. Love me. Do as I say, and I will be your slave. Um, so her childhood and her childish fears have no power over here. 
That's what she's finally realizing. All those fears that she had, they have no power over her, and she can move on to the next the next step, I guess. You know, Jareth was the fear of responsibilities and getting older. Just wanted her to stay and forget. Forget about her responsibilities. Whereas Hoggle, Ludo, Didymus, they all cared about who she was and where she was going. You know, they were all trying to help her get there to get Toby. Okay. But they were also all trying to help her get there to 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 be there for her and to be what she needed at that time in her life. Always there for whatever time of your life you needed and reminded her that childhood interests and fantasies were okay um staying behind a guard that part of her remember they stayed behind um but should you need us you know should you need to escape should you need to get away to just forget about stuff we'll always be here for a break and at the end when she's there you know with the other characters in her room and, you know, Toby's safe and everything. The parents are home. She's actually talking to them more respectfully, nicely. She's not that brat that she was. Only within a few hours, she had this huge journey and everything. And when she's like, you know, should you need us, we'll always be here. She goes, I need you, Hoggle. Sometimes, every once in a while, I need you. Basically saying, I need you. I need that that escape. I need the fantasy. I need to get away. I need to be a kid every once in a while and, you know, read these stories and stuff. And when it is like, why didn't you say so? And she turned around and even the bad guys were there. Vera, are you home? Yeah. Yes, I'm home. Goodbye, Sarah. So it's showing that it's it's just like the whole story as a whole will always be there for people like Sarah who just need an escape, you know, to, to, to give them an adventure. And remember, fair maiden, should you need us, Yes, should you need us for any reason at all. I need you, Hoggle. You do? I don't know why, but every now and again in my life, for no reason at all, I need you, all of you. Well, you do? Well, why didn't you say so? Well, just the way he sings, too, is just very, you know, like, I, I can see, good Fre- for a rock I can see Freddie Mercury being something like that. Sure, anything know? for, like, a rock opera, which yeah. is a, and then, you know, as I'm watching this, I'm like, you know, as much as me and you hate musicals, this is kind of a musical, yeah. because, yeah. you know, he he sings during it a couple times, you know, at least two or three I don't hate times. musicals, I just hate, I hate musicals. I hate High school musicals. <laughs> no, I hate musicals. Like like Sweeney Todd, I really like because the story is very. I actually good. don't like that one. I know you didn't. We've talked about this before. But any other you get try to get me in there, West Side Story, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, you know, all these different things. I can't. I don't know. It just takes me out of it. Like I suppose I can like them. Like La La Land, there's certain romantic elements I can watch with that with my wife and get out of. Yeah. But in general, I think it just it's takes ge- me out I of I think story. it's more of a generational thing. Like, I think, Maybe. you know, there are people that from different generations that enjoy it. But I think it's just a, a small, uh, not a small knit group, but I think it's a certain knit group that really enjoy musicals, you know. And, sure, back and, in the early days, they used to yeah. love them. Nowadays, they love them and they've, they're coming back. Yeah. I think in our generation, we just didn't get as much of them. You could say what you want about Rocky Horror Picture Show or different yeah. things like Those that. Those are like more like Little rock shop operas. Horrors, rock operas. That's you what know, these that's all what are. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, with the guy in uh, um, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. <laughs> He's writing a rock opera based on like a depressed vampire or something. He's like, it's getting kind of hard to believe things are going to get better. <gasps> 
I've been drowning too long to believe that the tide's going to turn. And I've been living too hard to believe things are going to get easier now. I'm still trying to shake off the pain from the lessons I've learned. And if I see Van Helsing, I swear to the Lord I will slay him. <laughs> yeah, it's a Muppet. Jason Siegel. <laughs> I love Jason Siegel. I think he's hilarious. Yeah, but he... Uh, I think he's a jackass, but I... I, I don't know. Hilarious. Freaks and Geeks, dude. He That was like his greatest role, I think. Freaks and Geeks like was just phenomenal. How I Met Your Mother. And I love you, man. I, I don't, don't think, like that show, How I Met Your Mother. Oh, that one, yeah, yeah. I could see people not liking that, but come on. I Love You, Man is like one of the greatest Jason Segel performances and one of the greatest Getting Paul Sarah Rudd Marshall performances yeah, of true. all time. These two together, and I love you, and slapping the bass, man. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. I don't, we should do that sometime. That is just such a funny movie. I love that movie. Uh, I've seen that movie. I've only seen about a, a quarter of that movie. Mm. This is definitely one, though, that for me, it was one of those crushes, you know, with the Christina Ricci movie, with Jennifer Connelly, you know, with Phoebe Cates, whatever it is. This is definitely one of those movies that you grow up and you're just like, I wish Sarah was my babysitter. <laughs> you know, that type of thing. But Yeah, but not when I was a baby, because that'd be just weird. Oh, that'd be literally robbing the cradle, but. But yeah, you know, it's it it's one of those on this episode. crushes you, got real you dark. had. No, you did. You had to take it that This far. is the worst timeline. So, anyways, I really enjoy this movie. Uh, I think some, if not most, probably would consider it the best, at least the best made. Well, it's definitely on the list of the greatest, probably top greatest. Fantasy you know, movies. Or movies in general. I mean, really, sure, but for everything. I'm saying you know? definitely for fantasy movies. And then I think if we're talking about children's fantasy, I think it takes the the gold there because there 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 are others. Willow, Dark Crystal, Howard the Duck. Some of these things. That, I don't even know if that that's more like Marvel. But I'm talking about like purely fantasy movies. Heavy metal. <laughs> that definitely wasn't a kids movie. I know that. It's a fantasy. Uh, yeah, but have you ever seen that animation? <laughs> There's a lot of boobs in that movie. A lot of animated boobs in that movie. Cartoon boobs. Heavy metal. Howard the Duck. Howard Duck's much, not much better either. There's some duck boobs in there, <laughs> yeah. too. There's some some more than that in there. Yeah, when she, she has a night with Howard. That yeah. was weird. Did you know when we were in high school, me and Lucas, when we were making uh, movies and stuff, we had to come up with like production companies, you know, and mine was Duck Sex Pictures because, and the Duck Sex comes with her sleeping with Howard the yeah. Duck, and I just thought it was hilarious and stuff. And so when people would ask us, like, yeah. why is this called Duck Sex Pictures? Then I'd be like, go watch Howard the Duck. The worst timeline. It's hilarious, but. This is the worst timeline. Uh, okay, I'm gonna start calling you Abed because I know that's that's from Community, and, and like even after that episode, you'd be like a season away from it, and he's like, "This is still the worst time." Yeah, it. no, that's why I say it. <laughs> so, uh, all right, which favorite part? Probably David Bowie singing anything in this. Okay, I really like the ball Magic scene, dance. Um, and. And with the music and everything like that, but it pushed the, the, the with him trying to kiss her and everything pushed the little creep, creep factor up a yep. little bit. Um, I mean, you kiss so, owl. I, I mean, there are people that kiss owls and stuff like that, but yeah. to put it in this movie is just weird. I, I definitely liked the first part of it where she met Hoggle, where she was figuring out the labyrinth, had that question of the two guards and everything. Bubble and then, fairies. 
and then definitely the end where she said you have no power of me and then everything's good in the end because I like happy endings so I love happy endings what are we doing next what do you want to do next I don't know can we do Masters of the Universe or something yeah, sure or if you don't want it I, no I love that movie I haven't seen it in forever it's just I love the one thing I love about that Masters of the Universe movie is that they bring in like new age like 80s and Kind of mixes 80s and 90s a little bit. Well, like that and and fantasy. It's really weird combination, the way that they bring in masses. It'd be like uh, bringing in Thundercats into nowadays. Well, most you know of I mean? like what we're talking about is us going into the fantasy world, right? Yeah. Whereas He-Man is the fantasy world coming bringing into, into the, the real, real world. world. Yeah. So it makes it feel a little bit different. It's I so think. crazy. I, I love the way they did that. I mean, because, you know, who would have thought bring, bringing He-Man and, uh, you know, it's what Sonic did yeah. nowadays. You yeah. know, they had Sonic come into the real world, and now he lives in that place that's called Green Hills. Yeah. And the first level in all Sonic is Green, Green Hills Zone. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, if you guys want to get a hold of us, we're on all social media at The Post Credit Podcast, except for Twitter. We're at The Post Credit. Our email address is thepostcreditpodcast at gmail.com. We have a website. It's www.thepostcreditpodcast.com, and we're on YouTube. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening, and we'll see you next time. And throw me a Ludo. I say, anyone here want to play a game of Scrabble? You remind me of the babe. Babe with the power. What?